There is no better biohack than a good night's sleep. It prevents burnout, helps you make better decisions, improves your memory, consolidates memory. I mean, there's a lot of science behind sleep. And I talked about this before, but you listen to a guy like Michael Walker on the Joe Rogan podcast or read his book, Why We Sleep. He is incredibly dialed in on the science of sleep. And one of the things we have when we sleep is memory consolidation. That means when we learn something new, our brain will file that out of the short-term RAM, random access memory, into our long-term memory, where we can actually embody and ingrain this into our being. So we can actually have something long-term. We understand this new skill. We understand this second language. It comes to us as we need it in the future. That all happens when we sleep. It's the most important thing we do for cognitive function. It's the most important thing we do for cellular health in the brain. When we talk about clearing out things like amyloid beta plaque, what leads to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, all these things happen. This cellular renewal and cleaning out effect happens when we sleep. What else happens? Well, if we lose sleep, we have a bump in a hormone called ghrelin. That goes up. It's a fight or flight hormone. It's also the hormone that makes us hungry during the day. So if you've ever lost the night of sleep and you notice the next day you were a bottomless well that couldn't be fed, that's the hormone ghrelin. Ghrelin goes up, leptin goes down. Leptin is the hormone that makes us feel full and satiated. So to say that sleep is important for total human optimization, that is a fucking understatement. There is no single thing you do that's more important for fat loss, cognitive function, recovery gains, and all of it. So why sleep on a shitty mattress? There's just no point to doing that. Lisa has made the best mattress I've ever slept on for a fraction of the price of other big name brands like Tempur-Pedic. It ships right to your door, highly convenient. You get to try it for 100 nights risk-free. They have uh, just an amazing program. They're a green company. They plant one tree for every mattress sold, and they donate one mattress for every 10 sold to people who need them. Don't miss the summer savings. Get $160 off at lisa.com slash on it. We had a dope episode with my buddy Luke Story. Luke Story is the host of the Lifestylist podcast. He has a fucking amazing background. I mean, just <laughs> honestly out of all the guys that i've had on the show possibly lived the craziest life i've ever heard and is in a beautiful place now he takes a deep dive into all the tips and tricks and tactics that have made him a wonderful human being which i truly believe he is check it out dope we've been clapped in by my man ryan giles the timer's running on it podcast with luke story this has been a big week at honest i was on it at honest hopefully <laughs> i am honest, honest. <laughs> yeah i was in here just a couple days ago with aubrey and i'm like wow i'm spending a lot of time at this table there's a lot of good good mojo going on here dude yeah good energy brother yeah a little, little palo santo too to smudge the joint yeah i like that i like <laughs> bringing that. something fresh absolutely hell yeah so i got to hear little tidbits from ryan about how the podcast went with aubrey and he said it was fucking fire so I'm, I'm glad I'm to really hear that, pumped, man. I'm glad to hear yeah, that. Yeah, our buddy Aaron Alexander connected us. Yeah, I told Aaron I'd give him a shout out. I was like, that was you, right? He goes, yeah, dude, it was me. <laughs> Who else knows well, both of you guys? He doesn't even remember sometimes, though, too, because he's so fucking busy, especially with Paleo FX this weekend. Right. You know, he's like, uh, did I, did I, how'd you, how do you know Max? Because at Max Lugavere, yeah, yeah. I was like, you fucking set that up, dude. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, he's exactly. just fucking just out of his head sometimes. Yeah, totally. Well, dope. Let's let's dive in. Obviously, you know, you just were on Aubrey's. People will get a, a, a picture there, but I definitely, you know, for people that aren't going to listen that first because we don't know when these come out. Yeah, sure. Um, 
let's get some background because you've been through a lot yeah and there's a lot of things you know with, with anybody the story of how we paint our picture of how we got here today changes the whole landscape of things and uh you know we're gonna dive into biohacking and all the things that you're into and, and certainly the conversation we had outside about uh you know the niacin flush sauna <laughs> yeah, dude. and the, the history of that i think is fascinating but um Talk about talk about your life. Talk about growing up. Talk about going down the rabbit hole That's with cool. maybe some I, of the. I like that because uh, when I did the um, Aubrey show, actually, we didn't really go too much in the past. We went down a crazy wormhole that involved pornography, masturbation, God, psychedelics, all kinds of shit, as you know you would imagine. But we didn't really get into that. So yeah, happy to tell you. And um, I noticed when we were outside talking, it was great. We had the opportunity to kind of get to know each other. And I was thinking, like I always do in those sort of pre-on-the-fly conversations when you're podcasting, shit, we should be recording this. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's so, always the case. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I listen to shows sometimes, and they'll just uh, have the mic going, and the people come in and sit down, and they get that whole intro thing, you know, mm. which is an interesting way to do it. But uh, we'll have to revisit a couple of those things, because the, the niacin stuff and the Scientology is a trip. How I got here, let me see if I can do this in a brief way. So originally, I'm from... Uh, Colorado, as I was telling you. So I was born out there in Aspen uh, as a kid to like a real hardcore cowboy dad, hunting, fishing, rodeo star, stock car racer, ski patrolman, just a rugged ass dude, a conservative guy, Mary's liberal hippie mom from Berkeley. They last a couple years, as you could imagine. <laughs> that shit was not meant to last. She takes me to California and I grew up as a Californian kid and uh, and experienced a lot of you know crazy shit like you do just lived in lower income areas and experienced a lot of trauma, was exposed to a lot of crime and violence and abuse and just all that stuff. And uh, my reaction to that was following suit and getting into drugs and then crime and things like that and got myself into a considerable amount of trouble quite early on in an effort to just really looking back just to medicate myself because I just felt so uncomfortable. Like I was listening to your story uh, actually last night. And I was like, God, I relate to that so much. And we can get into some of that <clears throat> on both shows, but I just basically had really wrecked myself by the time I was 14, you know, started doing not just like smoking weed, but doing hard drugs, meth and Coke and all that stuff when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. Damn, yeah, it's crazy. It's wild, dude. Cause now I look at a kid who's that age and I'm like, I can't even imagine them taking a sip of a beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was smoking cigarettes. I was smoking Coke. I was in all kinds of crazy shit, breaking into houses, just wild ass kid. I mean, it makes for a good life story and it creates a nice arc of a hero's journey, but it was, it was rough. So I got sent to this like cult boarding school when I was 14 up right near Greenfield's uh, place in Spokane. It's in Bonners Ferry, Idaho. That looks like a good place for a, a cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> and it was like, it was a reform school. It wasn't a military school and it wasn't a lockdown. They had a lockdown school in Provo, which was like a kiddie jail, a private jail, basically where rich parents sent their kids. And my dad had some money. So he sent me to this school for fucked up rich kids, basically, even though I wasn't one. Like I was living in the white hood in California with my mom. Thank God my dad could afford that. But it was like a cult boarding school and um, it was meant to reform juvenile delinquents like myself. And it actually worked pretty well. I was there for two years and I got out when I was 16. And when I got out, I didn't, well, I wanna say I didn't get back into crime because <laughs> I did, but I didn't fuck with other people's stuff anymore. You mm -hmm. know, So I was reformed morally, 
but I got back into drugs and stuff like that. And that was kind of the whole root of my problem. So I thought uh, I didn't know about trauma and stuff, obviously, but that school did a lot of therapy on me. And that's when I was introduced to group therapy and experiential therapy and all sorts of uh, really spiritual principles that I still live by, which is strange. And I can go into that a little bit more later, but that school partially reformed me. I get out, they send me back to this country ass town outside of Aspen, Colorado. I start looking for the kids with like dyed hair and you know leather jackets and shit (laughs) immediately started taking acid and coke and the whole thing again started drinking a lot i wasn't really into alcohol before that but i became like full-blown alcoholic by the time i was probably 18 you know and then i uh eventually moved to hollywood when i was 19 to just be around musicians and just be free to party and not have any interference from my parents or any other authority figure got a fake id right when i moved to hollywood met all these older guys that like i had their posters on my wall when i was a kid and just started hanging around all these musicians just fell in with the older crowd that were cool and played in bands and were rock and roll and did a lot of drugs and learned how to play bass you know that was my first because it has four strings it's the fastest way to get into a band by the way if anyone's listening (laughs) if you're like a young you know teenager you you don't think you're musically inclined just trust me bass is the way in and no one wants to play bass because there's no glory you're in the back with the drummer usually Mm -hmm. and you know you get laid the least maybe <laughs> so uh yeah so i just you know I, I i had a lot of fun dude and i was able to express my creativity through music and music has always been my healthy spiritual connection i wasn't aware of that but when i was you know as a kid and i experienced that trauma with the exception of drugs music was my other escape so i remember vividly hearing Jimi hendrix and zeppelin and sabbath and all of those like 70s you know just heavy rock and blues influenced bands and that music made me feel free and uh but it was combined with drugs and i didn't know that i didn't know you could do one without the other (laughs) you know what i'm saying and i kind of thought at that time i remember being in my 20s and keith richards like has always been my number one man like that he's like one of those people i would be hella starstruck if i met still you know and for some reason i never met him but uh, I thought he was so cool and he did heroin, you know? So when I moved to Hollywood, I was like, well, if I wanna be cool, I better get into that. And I did, and a number of other things like that. And then by the time I was 26, I just totally was bankrupt. And uh, I mean, it's crazy just, just thinking back to that time and how much shame I had about who I was because I was aware of the fact because I went to that cult boarding school that there was a better way to live and I had seen my potential there. I was kind of a star student there and I went along with the program and I didn't fight it and I was helping other kids there and I found some self-esteem. So I had that little spark kind of in me and as the party started turning darker and darker and the sun was setting on that early 90s period, and you gotta remember it's a weird time in LA too, or maybe people don't remember, but from 90 to 96 when I finally cleaned up my act, that was was like uh, the LA riots, the Northridge earthquake, uh, the Rodney King beating, mm-hmm. which was associated with the LA riots, OJ, uh, Biggie, Tupac, all mm-hmm. that shit was happening in LA right at that time. And I was like in some dark, you know, hanging out with some dark people and doing really weird shit during that period. So it was, it was like starting out as fun and playing in a band. We all party to just like alone picking the carpet for white pieces of fucking drywall, you know? that kind of situation, which doesn't really make you feel too good about yourself. 
So eventually, I uh, checked myself into treatment, and I had this really profound spiritual experience. Did you go to that Malibu place with the oh, young hell hot guy? No, dude, like, no. I too was an addict. Yeah. Every time in LA, I see that commercial, I'm like, this motherfucker. No, <laughs> dude. No, I wasn't even, t- I don't even know if they had those. I mean, maybe they had those kind of places, but I didn't have the money for that shit. And, yeah. um, and thank God my mom had uh sobered up and so i finally did that call to her and was like yo i need help and she's like oh my god i've been waiting for this call will you go to rehab i was like yeah i'll do anything get me out of here i gotta get out of this fucking situation and she got me in this place um in northern california called azure acres out in the woods in a town called sebastopol which is where i started doing drugs in the 70s which was weird but uh anyway man i get in there and i'm hoping they're going to give me some dilated or something good like that and uh, I said, man, I'm, I'm sick, I'm detoxing. And I went to the nurse and I'm like, you guys gotta fucking give me some, I'm losing my shit on the first day. And they went, nope, you're not detoxing enough. They took my vitals and they wouldn't give me anything except a, a B vitamin shot, which I still do, it's funny. you know, They gave me probably a Myers cocktail back in the day. And that didn't help. And I said, well, what else do you got? And uh, she said, well, there's this thing called prayer. I was like, and <laughs> with what other pill does the prayer come? You know, when does it hit me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How long does it take to come on? <laughs> and uh, and you know, it's cool, man. Is that I just I love that moment in my life, and I always talk about it. And anyone that's heard my story a bunch of times, is like, oh, okay, here goes the rehab story. But dude, something really profound happened. I I I prayed prayed just like they do in the movies. You know, I didn't know how to do that shit. I didn't grow up with any religion or spirituality at all, which was good because I wasn't totally. Uh, opposed to it i didn't really like the word god didn't freak me out i would have been willing to do just about anything at that point so you know get on the foot of the bed put my hands together in prayer position get on my knees and start praying my fucking ass off god you got to get me through this i don't i want to be sober you know i I can't live like this anymore i was addicted to crack i was addicted to heroin alcohol any other fucking thing you could find in the gutter i would do it so it wasn't it wasn't like oh i party man it was like not partying <laughs> it was just alone in my fucking room with the whole thing dude tin foil over the windows <laughs> and just you know damn not the fun shit anymore and uh, in that in that moment to sum up and then the rest of the story is, is relatively easy to unfold but that was the beginning of it all in that moment i was free dude i was released and now i'm 21 years later and um really what my life is about is about uncovering what that experience was and going deeper into that surrender because that's what happened so that was the first surrender was like okay i can't control this shit i can't beat it i tried everything dude i'll just smoke weed i'll just do that and eventually i'd end up in that same place Mm -hmm. addicted to everything at once total darkness and despair and uh and then i was set free you know so now it's like it could be a traffic jam it could be a breakup it could be a death it could be an illness it could be anything not going my way is applying that same method of surrender and acceptance that i did back then you know and it was like shit if i can accept that i need god in my life to just save my life then <clears throat> maybe this god thing or whatever you want to call it could actually infiltrate all of my affairs and help me with everything and that's what i'm all about and all the practices that i've adopted since then uh, have really led to that but when i got sober <clears throat> i really thought that that was my problem and so if i can just get rid of this shit, i'm gonna be a great guy i'll go to yoga 
I'll get a tan, you know, <laughs> I'll learn to meditate, I'll be chilling, I'll be a happy guy. Like it literally seemed like that was my problem because it would get me into so many problems, legal and otherwise, you know, in just dangerous situations and just around a lot of bad people. And then I got sober and I was like, fuck, I still can't control my thoughts. I still was so angry, dude, and had so much self-hatred and was so self-conscious. I mean, it's hard for me to just imagine now because i don't i'm free from a lot of that not all the way of course i still have an ego but i was just obsessed with myself and the way i looked and how i appeared to other people and was so needy for approval and all that stuff so once i got the physical sobriety then i started getting into all of the spirituality and really you know therapy and just everything else that i could ever find every goddamn self-help book every spiritual book going to india learning to meditate just anything i could do breath work all of that stuff to address the underlying causes of why I felt so uncomfortable in my skin that I had to do all those drugs to just be at base level. And then I also realized that there was a lot of work that had to be done on the physical vessel because I was so toxic from all those years of self-abuse. And so for the past 21 years, I've been just researching and applying truths of spirituality, health, well-being to my own life and then letting anyone else know about it that's interested. And there's a whole other side of the story where for 17 years I was a celebrity stylist, like dressing rock stars and stuff, which I always forget that part. It's kind of interesting, but yeah, I got a job. So was that going in tandem? Well, well yeah, when I, when I, I, I got to learn how to make this story, not to be self-deprecating, but I got to learn how to pack this story into five minutes, but it's 21 years of a lot of interesting yeah. shit. Ha or no, I mean, even, yeah, it's, well, now it's 47 years. But when I first got sober, uh, the first job I had was working for a fashion stylist who was an old uh, girlfriend of mine and we had just stayed in touch for those years and I went off into my drug hell and she didn't want anything to do with me basically. I got in touch with her and I was like, yo, I'm sober. So she was very supportive and I was homeless at the time. So she let me crash in her apartment and I kind of became her assistant. And then she booked Aerosmith as a client. So I'm like six months sober, out of my fucking mind, weigh 135 pounds, I'm 6'2 for reference. I mean, I was still really fragile and damaged and just a wreck. But she kind of had mercy um, on me and, uh, you know, cared about me. So she gave me this gig, even though I was horrible at it. And then here I am, like, working for Aerosmith, which was really cool because they were sober at the time. And I felt like such a fucking nerd for, like, not doing drugs. I mean, it's weird because I was such a loser, you know, when I was doing that. But I felt like more of a loser almost for being sober. I was really embarrassed about it. I wouldn't, like, tell anyone. Yeah, I was, like, uber anonymous because I still was playing in bands and stuff and, like, I didn't look like a guy who had sobered up. I was, you know, super rock and roll and Mr. Hollywood and all that. But I remember just um, one day I got to sit with Steven Tyler and I was like, dude, how do you do the shit you do sober? And he was like, man, it's all good. Why play music better than I ever did? We're more successful than we ever were. I was like, shit, you can be cool and not be a junkie. What a revelation. Yeah. And that led me into a 17 year career as a fashion stylist dressing hundreds of musicians from Kanye West to Marilyn Manson to the Foo Fighters and Kim Kardashian and on and on and on. And, uh, and then 10 years into that, I started a school that I still have called School of Style. And uh, that's been going for 10 years and we teach people how to be a stylist. And that's kind of my main bread and butter. And then two years ago, I branched off and started my podcast, The Lifestylist. And I'm now just suddenly at 45 years old, decided, yeah, I'm going to pivot and just become this new dude in a new industry. And that's kind of where, where we are today. That's awesome, brother. Yeah, it's a weird, so, weird, weird, and wild ride. That is a definitely uh, of anyone we've had. You have the wildest backgrounds. 
by far. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Far. I hear that sometimes and I'm like, I don't know. You know, sub- I mean, I heard your story and you got a fucking hardcore story too. I mean, to me, I'm like, damn. But to each one of us subjectively, we're just like, I don't know. It's just kind of the arc of your life. You don't really, it's hard to be objective about one's own kind of. Yeah. You, you got know, the blind storyline. Yeah. Everyone's got their blind spot. Yeah, right? exactly. So what did you get into first? I mean, you talked a bit about spirituality and I, I definitely want to dive into the metaphysical what did you gravitate towards first while you were doing therapy and you, you know, maybe it was meditation, maybe it was different forms, like timeline that piece and what really grabbed you? Because there's certain things that I've, I mean, I, I've, I took the deep dive down all the books as well, like uh, Dwayne Dyer and uh, who else? Mike. Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's still up there. Like that. Me too. A New Earth is still one of my all time favorite books. It stands. The you ever thought about getting him on your show? I would absolutely love that. Wouldn't that be cool? Even though he doesn't have a voice for audio. <laughs> True. <laughs> Listen to his book on Audible. Like yeah. it'll lull you, lull you to sleep. But for me, I mean, the message is so powerful. I don't give a fuck how slow he speaks. When he like, first put out wisdom. Yeah. When he first put out The Power of Now, um, I don't think we had, yeah, you didn't really have MP3s then, I don't think. It, I had the CD set of it mm-hmm. and I would burn it for people. And I was like, people that I, you know, I was a little codependent. So I was like, you need this. Listen to this. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I was in the fix everyone else phase. But no, my heart, you know, I was like, wow, this is powerful. And uh, I would give that to some people. And they're like, oh, his voice is so annoying. I just can't listen to it. I'm like, dude, the forest through the trees. Come on. Like, it's not the messenger. It's the message, you know? So, but yeah, yeah he was profound for me. Uh, in the early days, to answer your question, I mean, honestly, dude, the very first thing for me that I think just enabled me to keep my physical sobriety was just getting involved in addiction recovery and groups of that nature, you know, and really building a support system because what had been missing from my life was a community of having a sense of like true connection with no strings attached, um, no ulterior motives involved because the world I came from was just users, using users, using users, takers, taking, taking, taking. And you had your drug buddies and your homies and sure you cared about each other but there was shit you cared about more than each other (laughs) always you know Mm -hmm. and so there was that sense of connection of of allowing myself to get help from elders you know that had more experience in living life than i did and living life without the assistance and the, the masking and the crutch of using drugs and drinking and all that and then also in pretty short order realizing that I had achieved some level of success, even if I only had six months clean, I could then help other people. And that was when I really started to get in touch with the idea of service. And also uh, really just prayer and reading spiritual literature and uh, understanding spiritual principles, just very simple ones like being honest with yourself, uh, willingness, um, humility. I mean, I didn't know what humility was. What 27-year-old kid's like, man, you know what? I really want to learn about humility. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's why? Not, it's not a, it's an attractive. Yeah, it's like, what? Other... Fuck that. I want to be special. Yeah, I wanted the yeah. opposite of humility because I was so ego-driven. So just learning about the concept of the difference between the mind and the ego and that that's not you, that you are, in fact, a soul embodied in a meat suit and, you know, that life is a school and that we all elect to come here just grasping these kind of concepts and being exposed to these eastern mysticism things like that um you know spiritual gurus that i started to study and listen to and eventually go see in india and learning to meditate i think that was kind of the framework it all came out of just the shit they told me in rehab like you can't do this on your own you need some kind of higher power i was like clearly and then when that thing happened like i said when i prayed and my problem was just poof removed i mean that was really powerful because i walked out of that place and that that constant nagging it's like 
for someone that hasn't been like bona fide multiple addictions, it's hard to explain, but I always say it's like, imagine you've been out in the fucking desert for two days and you're like one day from dying and someone has a jug of water in front of you. You know, it's like that kind of deep yearning where you're just like, I'm going to die if I don't get that. And it was just, that was gone. And so I really just started applying prayer in my life and, and applying those first principles. So on the metaphysical side, that was kind of the beginning of it. And on the physical side, I started doing the stuff that was in vogue in the health scene in the 90s. So that would have been like infrared saunas, um, doing- uh, there was Juicing. This, yeah, juicing. Like yeah. Where I was telling you outside, I would do like these seven to maybe 21 day juice fast where you just did all green juice. I was making my own kombucha, doing the ionic foot baths, uh, doing pranic healing, which is another kind of spiritual technique. It's funny because Tony Robbins does that. I've forgotten about the pranic healing thing. Mm. I think it's like the dudes are from Korea. I forget where it comes from, but- Explain uh, that. I'm not familiar with oh, it. Oh, pranic healing is, um, is a kind of a meditation technique. And Robbins did it at this event in San Jose that I recently went to. And in pranic healing, it's just like a meditative visualization. So you visualize like the world in front of you and you, you know, you have white light that you bless the world with and that kind of stuff. You know, okay. it's, it's, it's kind of a prayer slash meditation visualization thing. But that was really popular in Hollywood around mm. that time and Kabbalah, uh, things like that. But yeah, then I started doing um, all the, you know, detoxing protocols, liver flushes, gallbladder flushes, uh, herbalism, all of those sorts of things I started doing. And, oh, I know what the people don't talk about now which is funny because it's like not that sexy of a health topic, but colonics and colon health mm -hmm. was like huge at that time. And that was like the first thing that really moved the needle for me in terms of my health and detoxing and started to get some vitality back in my body because I was doing all this detoxing, but then downstream my colon didn't function because I was on opiates for so long. Yeah. It just shut that down, you know? It shuts down a lot of shit <laughs> in the lower region, <laughs> which yeah. I had to learn how to use again. <laughs> Actually, I was talking about that with Aubrey. He was like, you ever have a wet dream? I was like, yeah, when I got sober. You know, my sex drive came back online. My working. Yeah, my body was like, what? Where's the opium, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I started doing colon cleansing. And, you know, one of the most profound things I ever did for my health is I went to a place called Angel Farms on the big island of Hawaii. And um, on Angel Farms, you do 12 days of colonics and you do like a couple hours a day of a gravity-fed colonic. So it's very gentle and they infuse it with ozone and herbs and all this stuff. And I did that. And my health dramatically improved uh, from that. And so that was something that I learned early on that really helped me. Like, yeah, you can eat clean and all that, but if you're not eliminating, you don't have that stuff moving out of you, especially if you're doing detoxing, uh, that you're gonna just be kind of re-polluting yourself. So it's it's funny, all the biohackers and you can go to Paleo FX, you can go to any conferences and you don't hear one person talking about like cleanse your colon, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's funny because people are, are on the fence about that. It goes back and forth in the health and wellness field because some people are like, well, you know, you're, you could flush out the good bacteria too, you could right. do this, you could do that. I think it's, I mean, I, I, got a, I had the opportunity to do it out in Sedona at Spirit Ranch, and uh, it was a gravity colonic, and they had infused. I'm not sure exactly what they infused it with, but it was a number of things. And they said beforehand, you know, you might, some people get energy afterwards, some people just hit the fucking wall. And they're, you know, that's a sign of detox. Like if you feel really depleted and tired, just go with it, meditate, relax, take a nap, that kind of thing. I was fucking floored after. Really? And I realized very quickly, like, I got rid of some stuff there. That yeah. had been built up for a while. Yeah. Like it was very detoxing for me in yeah. just one session. And I had I slept great that night and had incredible energy the rest of the week. So I mean, there's 
and that's that's n equals one but i'm just saying like it's it's nice when you can start thinking outside the box because you're not too dogmatic about the approach or the science behind things it's like a lot of people shit on acupuncture and i fucking love it oh me too that's that's something i started doing early on too i forgot about that yeah so like it's it's nice when there's that freedom also too with with just with talking about religion and spirituality it's hard to think outside the box when you've been force-fed this is the only way this is the only way to know god this is the only way into heaven this is the only way blah 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 fill in the blank it's like well no there's fucking really good knowledge from all over the world from many different cultures and it's it just opens you if, if you're open to it it's really empowering to be able to learn from multiple teachers yeah mm-hmm. yeah totally i mean i i've seen in you know in recovery and also just in people that are unhappy for whatever reason and they intuit that spirituality is some sort of avenue for them to explore to find fulfillment right the two biggest barriers are negative past religious experiences and having preconceived ideas about certain words like god or religions and all that stuff and then also people that are highly intellectual and that have a really high iq have a really hard time with spiritual apprehension because it's in a different domain of reality yeah if you it's, can't it's, it's like non-linear scientists, yeah scientists yeah. they can't test it it's non-linear so we don't have the double blind study out on god yet so <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's I, not there until proven otherwise i feel very grateful that i was like not intellectually with it enough to find holes in the argument i was like okay if you say so yeah i'll pray i'll meditate and then it started to work and i was sort of convinced but having not grown up with religion too is kind of easy for me because i was able to and continue to be able to explore different ideas without any sort of dogmatic attachment to one particular path or another you know Mm -hmm. i think the only thing that's been really a constant for me is just the fundamental principles of the 12 steps which are just universal to most teachings and religions they just happen to be codified in a way that's practical and simple and easy to understand you know so i think that's a really powerful teaching and also uh the a course in miracles very similar kind of approach you know it's like there are certain laws in the universe that are invisible <laughs> and they're forces of good and they're forces of nature and if you can live your life according to those principles you don't have to have any belief system or anything just believe in certain truths that are universal and timeless and then improve your life it's like okay what's there to argue about so that was kind of the framework for me that i still hold true uh to and there's also one of those principles is open-mindedness is just always being open-minded and i went out to dinner with a buddy of mine here in austin last night i haven't seen him in years and he's um super super liberal and left-wing i mean like extreme you know just hates everything else on the other side and i was able to and i didn't know that i haven't seen him in a long time and i don't really i'm pretty fluid i'm open to all ideas on both sides i really don't care what you think it's your trip believe whatever you want i just want to have a happy life (laughs) i just want peace you know (laughs) but we sat down and it was really cool to just kind of be able to hear his side of the story and i I have an open mind and i saw my mind a couple times i would think like "Ah, he's wrong about that nope that's fake news nope he doesn't get it you know he's brainwashed and i saw that in my own mind through self-awareness it's like no it's cool man just listen maybe something valid to say from being that far at the end of a spectrum yeah i i find huge benefit in that rogan's had on a number of guys that were what you'd call pretty far right conservatives yeah, like, like alex that. jones yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just, was a that was a dope a episode he is mr conspiracy yeah but, but i mean even just some of the guys you know from fox news and different people like that where and this is by I'm I'm not fucking watch Fox News now and I don't I don't judge anybody who does but the point is like I it by being in a place where I could actually listen without judgment 
it opened my mind to different ideas. You know, Absolutely. Like maybe we don't need to redistribute everyone's wealth. Like I, I was a Bernie guy, yeah. things like that, you know, in the primaries in California. And, you know, over time, it's like, I don't think that that does work, you know, like, and that helps stretch my political views, but, but it is, it is fluid. It's not, you know, I believe this because I'm a Republican or I believe this because I'm a Democrat. And I think more and more as this gap gets widened, which it is, you see fucking really far left, really far right. And that's all you see it'll 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 fold back in on itself yeah you know, like a star fucking collapsing yeah, yeah that's more, funny. more people seeing things from both sides like yeah oh, like you know what i like this over here and i like that over there and that's a spiritual principle <clears throat> open-mindedness you know don't do contempt prior to investigation be willing to change your views i mean i just think that's a healthy way to live and it's so free and i mean even when i say the word open mind it just feels better and that principle is so powerful because if you have an open mind, it allows you to, a truly open mind means that you're not attached to one side or the other about any issue or any belief. And you're always fluid and able to readapt and look at things from a different perspective. And it's not just in an open mind where I'm able to let new information come in. Cause I think a lot of people have that perspective. Oh, let me hear you. Let me hear your argument, Kyle. Mm -hmm. And I'll have an open mind. I'll hear you out. Oh, I'm open-minded. No, open-minded is where the door swings both ways of my mind and my intellect, where I'm able to actually let go of old ideas that aren't actually true. I mean, I've been doing a lot of that lately because I just, I don't know, I picked up ideas about things like um, relationships and sex and shit. I had like my way of seeing things and doing things and at a certain point they didn't serve me. So I thought, hmm, I think my mind's closed inside of myself. I'm closed with these ideas that don't serve me anymore. Mm. So the open mind has to be fluid where I let old shit out and I let new shit in. And what I find with that that's so powerful is I'm able to access my intuition. So I don't have to worry about being duped or being misguided. The heart knows when it's hearing truth. So in terms of politics, I mean, I can listen to Alex Jones on, Jones on Rogan's show and be like, some really good points there. And I feel they're true. Some of the shit he said, I'm like, God damn it, that's true. Whether you like the guy, whatever. Mm -hmm. Things Trump says, Hillary, you know, all of them, whatever. There's some truth in every position, you know? And with an open mind, I think it allows you to sort of discern truth for yourself and, and not be misled by falsehoods or just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, and I find it works really well for me because I'm guided to uh, more successful relationships, more success in business, just better health, better emotional well-being, spiritual well-being, just by constantly being open and being able to shed what I thought was um, true yesterday. Like, cool. Well, yesterday that might have been true and I had to let it go. And now I'm on to a deeper level of truth and more purity, which is why I always say I just, I go back to things like the 12 steps or A Course in Miracles because you can't really argue with that. I'm not talking about like an organization like Alcoholics Anonymous or something, but just the teachings of the 12 steps are pretty fucking solid. Yeah. I think like no matter what your issues are in life, you could apply that, you know, in the sense that you're powerless over certain things. Cool. Well, how can you not be crazy about that? And so on and so on. I mean, I don't want to have a whole pitch on those, but just as a case of principles that are really useful, if one's open-minded, you can apply very simple universal truths and you can be successful in your endeavors. And there's principles of marriage and kids and finance. There's just truths everywhere. And you know that you have a podcast. I mean, what you're looking for probably I could assume is some degree of truth from each person that you interview. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that sharing of wisdom. Yeah. First, first and foremost for myself, uh, 
the the small self that's greedy and wants the information all for me and then of <laughs> yeah course, yeah thankfully we record it and that can go out to the world you yeah know, the sharing of the wisdom well that's what makes for a good show too is when i think when the host is really passionate about learning and you look at the really big shows i mean whether it's rogan or tim ferris or any of these guys i mean they're not just asking shit because they think that's what people want to hear they're asking because they really want to learn from their guests they're legitimately and genuinely curious about that person's point of view and their body of knowledge and wisdom and then mm -hmm. that translates to the audience like wow he's really psyched about the answer that's coming i did should you, get excited too did you listen to uh not to go off topic but did you listen to rogan's recent guest the the sleep doctor no from why we sleep no he is fucking fascinating really rogan rogan wrote he was like this is the fucking best podcast i've ever done oh cool i'll check yeah, it man. out yeah and like that's the thing though in the podcast like he has so many questions and you can you know as guys that podcast like you can tell like he is fucking engaged like he wants yeah. to know the shit for him he's just curious yeah like he, he's asking all the questions what happens when we smoke weed what happens from alcohol what happens wow from this you know and uh and the guy is so dialed in you know he's been in the field for so long and uh is is it's it's an incredible podcast I'm highly gonna, recommend it to i'm gonna people. check that out i just ordered his book while we sleep i forget his name matthew walker boom yeah yeah it's fucking it's it's that's one cool. of those you know they can't all be gems but that's certainly yeah. one of them and rogan has quite a few simply from the volume he does sure. and, and he's a talented you know incredibly talented guy when it comes to conversations and comedy and all that shit so he draws that out of people yeah you know but that's definitely that's funny that you mentioned sleep because after all these years of doing and you know i'm like a crazy biohacker i have devices out there in my luggage in your hallway that'll trip you out i mean i travel with this shit and I'm into stuff because it's just, it's my hobby. And I like to find the stuff that really helps you biologically. But the more I really drill down into the health stuff, dude, I got to say, I really think sleep is the number one most important thing. Mm -hmm. After all the thousands of, I mean, in my episode number one, I rattle off about 250 things that I've tried to just feel good and be a better person. Health and, and spirituality and all that shit. And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, I seriously think sleep is the most powerful. I mean, you know, your spiritual connection, all that. But I mean, in terms of like biohacking and health. And yeah, those everybody's practices. looking to, to nootropics and shit like that. No supplement <laughs> yeah. mitigates a shitty diet and right. no nootropic mitigates a lack of sleep. Dude, that's it. At all. That's There's it. The, that you're, everybody's trying to gear towards cognitive function. And this was one of my talks at Paleo FX was on cognitive function. I was trying to piece together as many different avenues that we can look at that improve cognitive function that you may not think have anything to do with it. Right? right and i went through diet and posture and all this shit but sleep is so fucking massive it's number one it's number one for fat loss it's number one for recovery for hormones for all of it it's you know? just not sexy it's boring like it's not something you do it's a passive activity and so i think especially for a lot of us that are more you know proactive alpha types like i want to crush it i want to do the next thing do the things do the things and i think a lot of the, the male energy is kind of like that which is great but sleep is like, wow, really? That's the answer? It's like, dude, how unsexy and boring. Like, you just lie there. Can I do some shit? You know? And uh, you know, that yeah. takes discipline too, though. You know, like, that's if, you, true. if, you're, that's if true. you know you got to get up at a certain time each day and you don't have the ability to take naps because we don't have siestas in the West, uh, what does that mean? That means going to bed earlier. And that's something nobody wants to do because now you're taking that small window of free time that they have and you're devoting it to the passive thing where. You may or may not remember your dreams. You don't see the immediate benefit of that. It takes time to to get your shit right. But yeah. but you know it's it's one of those things where I mean, and thankfully having a kid totally reset my circadian rhythm. And my <laughs> I wife. bet, like dude. You're, 
you have when you're not sleeping for, right? for eight, the first eight weeks and then you finally get him only waking up once in the middle of the night like you're damn sure going to bed earlier you, you know like all right i can get a nice four hour block if i'm in bed at nine you know instead of 10 or in the bed great at 10 equalizer of that's one of my i mean i've had a lot of fears about having kids over the years but the sleep thing because i'm just so useless when i don't get good sleep i'm i'm afraid to have a kid because of that so i'm always like hmm what kind of income do I need to have to have a nanny around to like come swoop the kid out of the room if they're like fucking with my sleep? You know, it's probably not a good dad move, but yeah, I bet. But you know, you mentioned another spiritual principle, which is discipline. That's another one of those irrefutable laws of the universe. You know, discipline, dedication, commitment, all of those things. Like, you know, in the military, they, they use so many of those principles. Not like I know, I've not been in, but I study people from all walks. And that's one part in in the military and in fitness and law enforcement enforcement like guys that are strong and body identified and are like doing the protecting and serving those are spiritual principles that that type of person really latches onto. but to me those are elements of god you know it's like nothing's stronger than god nothing's more powerful than god you know so how can we harness some of that power and make ourselves go to sleep earlier that's a spiritual principle, you know. So we're both we're both uh, discipline and and what was the one before? Uh, Humility. Yeah. Were, were <laughs> those were those in? I think it was a different one, but were those in the Course in Miracles? Oh, a Course in Miracles is. I mean, I'm no expert in it by any stretch, but it's just it's one of those teachings that I've never heard a quote from it, and I, it's hard to read. It there's a couple textbooks for it. Yeah, I mean, I've never like I have it at my home. I haven't even opened it. I'm like, I I have it on audio, and I have followed uh, Marianne Williamson's work a lot, and she sort of translates those teachings, and uh, it's it's really sort of one of those. um, It's kind of like the Tao at its face face value. It doesn't really make sense. You're like, what? But somehow it rings true. Okay. But it's this idea of surrender, and that there's one all knowing all-powerful force in the universe and it's a force for good and the more we can align with that and not the illusions of the mind which is what the course of miracles is a lot involved with i mean ego and mind and how many of us think that that's who we are is to get an identification with something other than ego and mind and that's you know that's true of all the traditions i mean i do vedic meditation that's all the veda is about is about identifying and aligning with universal consciousness rather than just the singleness of you and your personality and your mind and your body and all of that. But the other side of that, which is interesting, and it's cool being here at On It because you guys really, I think, are so progressive in that there is, of course, attention to the body, the supplements, the smoothie bar, the freaking insane gym. You guys are all ripped. You're all cut. Like you're doing the body thing. Then there's a meditation room. There's essential oils, there's gongs, there's consciousness. Everyone's doing plant medicines. I mean, it's like you guys realize, I think, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, you know, but it seems like this organization understands that it is about the spirit. But if you don't have the vessel tuned up, good luck with the downloads. Yeah. How hard is it when you're going through life in pain, like real (laughs) pain, to fucking to tune into that higher conscious, to be the best version of yourself, you know, to not be angry at every little thing that happens because every moment of your life there's this background noise that's just cranked almost to a 10 every fucking day you get out of bed yeah 
Yeah, you know? and that's you know that's really like the that yoga. could be physical or or mental emotional. That's the yogic you know? worldview, dude. I got that when I first started doing just basic hatha yoga, maybe shit, almost twenty years ago. And I first I discovered like gym yoga, power yoga, that kind of thing. I was like, wow, it kind of feels good to stretch. core yoga. Yeah, all that you know, all that kind of stuff at twenty four hour fitness. You know, it's like oh, do your um, you know um, stretches before and after you work out. Like I kind of got that, but then I found a real yoga studio with a guy who's an ayurvedic teacher moss vidal i ended up um, interviewing him years later on my show but he would teach these ball busting two-hour classes and he'd been to india 20 times and study with the masters and stuff but they were physically very vigorous and intense and very spontaneous and always you know like it was never the same class twice so i mm -hmm. liked that variety mm -hmm. and novelty but he's the one that taught me that the whole purpose of doing the physical asanas and yoga is so that you can meditate at the end so, you know, even in, in ancient India, they understood that it's, you don't just sit there on a rock and meditate. You won't be able to have the fortitude to do that and the discipline to do that and the physical comfort and fluidity to be able to just sit there and disassociate from the body. You got to get the body ready to almost let go of the body. I've totally noticed that I fucking, you're 1000% correct, but I've totally noticed in plant ceremonies that if I have not unlocked my body and I drop in with a heroic dose of anything, <laughs> i will <dose. laughs> do i will do fucking yoga in the ceremony right because that the body talks to me at that point when you're tuned in it's like oh my fucking neck is stiff oh my hamstrings are like whatever the case is and i got to start doing yoga right there like just to unlock the body to receive the downloads to be able to be in a place where my body's not constantly telling me take care of me listen pay attention you know with that without that there is no deep inner peace. There is no deep knowing. There is no intuition and downloads coming in because yeah, that's my, right. I, my body's screaming for attention. That's right. Yeah, it's distracting. Mm -hmm. You can't sit there and chill. Uh, you know, that's funny. I've been doing Kundalini yoga for a number of years. Which for anyone that hasn't done it on from the outside, it can look pretty weird. A lot of people wear white. There's turbans involved. There's a lot of mantra. It's some kooky shit. The breath work though in Kundalini is insane. And usually the way a kundalini class starts is with some movement. It's almost like aerobic type stuff and a is bit of like stretching. Is that like shaking it out? Like, All like that kind of like shit, Osho yeah. stuff? Yeah. Okay. There's a, he used the kundalini a lot, okay. you know? Uh, and, you know, kundalini, they say, is the mother yoga. It's a lot of other traditions come from the kundalini as kind of the master yoga from one perspective. But in kundalini, it's really weird because you don't like hold stretches like you would in hatha yoga. You don't do headstands or handstands and stuff like that. They're just weird sort of aerobic uh, moves oftentimes just to get the body loosened up and to get the energy moving around and then typically you know all teachers are different but just generally speaking then there'll be some breath work that's all kinds of crazy different patterns and mudras and ways you move your hands and shit like that it's just totally nuts and then at the end of the breath work there'll be like some longer meditations but the meditations in kundalini are often moving it's not like a mm. tm or vedic where like you're sitting still doing the mantra they have their own versions of, of meditation in that. But still, if you do kundalini with a qualified teacher, they're going through this whole sequence to move the energy in your body so that you can receive the cosmic download from the universe so that you're in tune and you can sit there and handle it, you know? Um, but <laughs> I got to just tell this story because it's funny as hell. So Aubrey was in here recording or whatever before us and I ran into you. Or no, I hadn't run into you yet, but I just came into the lobby and they were like, oh, just chill. We'll get ready when we're ready. I'm like, fine. Thank God they're not ready because I love having time to prepare. So I go in the meditation room and I was like, I don't know how much time I have, but I at least have 12 minutes. And that's like my one of the Kundalini kind of sets that I do. 
and I do, I'm doing my breath work in there. I kind of do some Wim Hof stuff. I get fired up first and then I put on my mantras and I start going in the zone. <laughs> and the next thing you know, I come to with my fucking head on the wood floor, like upside down facing the other way. <laughs> I straight like passed out because I went so hardcore with the Kundalini. Because I did, you know, I did some stretching. I did all this stuff and I got my body ready for the download and I got the oxygen in there and I got the energy moving and I had a little experience there. Where just like, off. Yeah, I was just like, okay, wow. But then when I came to, I felt so much different in terms of my consciousness. You know, I'm checking out. I had to pack my bags and get out of the Airbnb and all that this morning. After that 12, 15 minutes, I come out of that little room and I'm like, holy shit, I'm living in a different universe now. How do you explain that? Well, I got my body ready. I got my breath ready. I used some intention, some dedication, some discipline, some open-mindedness. I was willing, had love for myself in my heart, love for this building, love for this company got myself tuned the fuck in and then had a great chat with you. And now it's like, oh my God, amazing day ever. I literally don't know how a human being can live without having some kind of practice like that. Well, it pushes the reset button. And I, I am yeah. fascinated with these types of practices because there's not a lot of people that, are, that will do plant medicines due to legality, access, or not having the inability to travel to the Amazon, whatever the case is. Yeah. It's not accessible to everyone, but breathwork is. Yeah, and it's totally. such a fucking game changer. It really is. It's 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 a total reset button you push. You know, there used to be this thing. I forgot which. I did some Aya ceremony maybe four years ago, and it wasn't. You know, I'm not I'm not averse to to Christianity or anything like that. I, I'm super down with the teachings of Jesus. I don't think that if I don't believe in him, that I'm going to burn in hell or any of that sure negativity. Or fear. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. resonate with the fear based portion. Oh of hell it, no! Right? I, yeah. I resonate with the light and the love from that from those yeah, teachings for sure. But I understood at some point in the ceremony what it felt like for a born again Christian. What they describe as being born again. Like every ceremony I've done, and certainly with deeper breath work and doing cold therapy you come out of that and it's like you're fucking brand new it's like you're seeing the world with new eyes and I've, I've talked about that in the relationship with my wife where we've done this together a number of times i see her like i'm looking at her for the first time yeah you know like that love like an appreciation and holy shit like in her attraction is fucking brand new it's not like yeah we've been together seven years it's like no like i fucking see you i can see you right now you know, and everything that goes into that, the fucking plants. We're looking outside. It's a cloudy day. It's muggy. Probably a lot of people are like, today's weather sucks. And we're just watching clouds move. Like, it's fucking gorgeous right now. Exactly. Isn't it? It's oh, amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. You mentioned the clouds out here because we don't get a lot of weather in LA, as you, you may or may not know. I mean, it's we pretty much just get blue skies and chemtrails. That's kind of another story. <laughs> but uh, but I did, you know, I showed up here. I'm kind of in a hurry. I got here right at 12 o'clock. I was like, okay, thank God I'm not late. I come in. They're like, oh, dude, they're doing shit. Just chill. I was like, oh, cool. And then I went and did the thing I just described. And then when I went back outside, it was like I had been born again. I was like, whoa, there's a sky. Not only is there a sky, there's the most beautiful cloud formations and there's just enough light poking through and there's trees in this parking lot and my feet are bare and they're on the ground and I get to climb a tree and fuck around like a monkey, like our buddy Aaron Alexander. And it's just a totally different experience. you know. And it's so crazy to think that many people in some of their incarnations don't ever break through to that that's why i'm so grateful that i've been in situations uh like i described in my childhood that were so uncomfortable living in a certain dimension of consciousness 
and it became so excruciatingly painful and i was just so painted into a corner where the only way to go was up Mm -hmm. it's just like down yeah i know what that's like and not that i don't dip down and you know flip off a fucking driver here and there you know still human yeah you know what i'm saying but i never go down to where i used to be dude i mean thinking about suicide and all of that stuff or let alone like planning it for it and all of that business um but i live in a different dimension but i'm so grateful for the contrast of experience because now i just crave the light and i crave sharing that with people like you or we can talk about it. like you've been there dude i've been there you know we've seen the promised land which is to be identified with consciousness while still identifying uh, the value in being embodied. I'm not trying to get out of my body and go live in the Himalayas and bail. No, I want to have spiritual understanding and wisdom from being embodied and share people, share that with people who are on their way there. You know, and I mean, that's part of getting older too. I'm 47. I'm like, wow, I'm almost 50. And I talk to kids in their 20s that might listen to my show or just dudes I meet at Paleo FX. And they're like, hey, tell me about life. And I go, shit, I know some shit. I don't know all of it. And I go talk to someone that's maybe younger or older than me that has a different uh, experience in life and different wisdom to share. But that's what it's about is like going toward the light, raising your consciousness, and then helping anyone else who's interested do the same. It's fucking fun. Break down your breath work because I'm curious. I think the only Kundalini I've been exposed to is like breath of fire and things like that. And is that a part of... Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of yogic traditions use that. It's the, you know, it's one form of pranayama, you know, and like Hatha yoga, they'll do pranayama where it's mostly focusing on the exhale. So it's like, of course you have to inhale, but you're not emphasizing the inhale and you're really pumping your belly. That's like the basic, which is moving the energy, the kundalini energy up your spine. But breath of fire as it's practiced in kundalini traditions is equal inhale and exhale. Uh, so it's more like, I don't know, I don't fucking blow snot on the mic. But <laughs> <laughs> we got mic covers. <laughs> so it's more like. <laughs> okay, it's a faster pace, yeah. equal, equal. But also, but and combined with different, what we call mudras. So you have your hands in different positions. Your fingers are doing stuff. Your arms are swinging around. Your feet might be doing shit. So the different breathing techniques, and that's one of literally hundreds. I mean, that's just your basic standard. You know, they call it ego eradicator. You put your arms up like this and you breath of fire for two minutes and at the end you hold like that it's just a whole situation uh they can't see hold like that i got a yeah. cool little so mudras hold- booklet thing down in sedona oh yeah because when i was doing shamangelic breath work with anahata it's basically like holotropic breathing from stanislav grav right my hands about midway through locked <laughs> t-rex into dude. fucking place but they yep. locked into these specific mudras wow and i asked her after that i mean like i couldn't move my hands even after the ceremony they were fucking locked in and she was like she goes i don't know what those are but you can take a deeper dive looking into it so i was looking through those books and and you know one was your you know your typical uh universal light and love ohm that yeah. kind of thing you know with my right hand and the left yeah. hand was different it was more about cleansing and healing uh this is getting real weird but healing uh sacral chakra and creativity and energy and ex- expression you know yeah. not just fertility but like what you birth in the world you know yeah. what you bring to light and uh i found that exactly in tune with the shit i was working on at that time that's cool you know that's cool yeah i mean with the breath work i've done so many different things from wim hof to holotropic all that stuff kundalini it's funny when i first found wim hof stuff and i started doing i mean i was doing ice baths and all that before that but combining that with the breath work and everything i was like uh you guys this is kundalini yoga hello like you're this is we've been doing this shit for years you know 
but it's all the same it's all just human beings getting high on their own supply and realizing wow you can really affect your consciousness by moving and breathing in different ways it's just there are patterns that you can use your body that have to do with sacred geometry it sounds out there and woo woo i'm actually pretty pragmatic believe it or not but i know the way my brain feels before and after moving my arms and fingers and breathing in different ways shit happens it affects your brain now if you go to a kundalini class they're gonna be like now we're uh, decoding the pineal gland and we're getting into the hypothalamus and we're getting rid of past life trauma and you know all this shit You're like is it doing that i don't really know i mean hook me up to some electrodes at ucla and then have me do it and we'll see i don't really know but i just know i feel better and that's kind of i'm a results guy yeah so i learn a bit of the science i learn a bit of the woo woo and then i just kind of discard it because it's not necessary anymore i just want to know what to do to get there the fastest to get myself balanced so that i can be of service in the world in the most powerful and meaningful way because if I'm off emotionally and I'm regressing back into that ego state, then I go back into survival mode. And I'm just like, how can I feel good? How can I take care of myself and get my needs met? And I lose that outward giver energy and that focus on others. And that's the whole problem. Then you start feeling really uncomfortable because a life based on acquisition and survival puts you back in that animal consciousness and that's very uncomfortable yeah everything's fight or flight at that point yeah it's all survival mode yeah and it's not good or bad right or wrong i don't, I don't think in dualistic ways like that when i can help it it's just i look at everything as a scale of consciousness you know and some things are lower <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> sitting across the room from someone that you resent thinking about killing them is just a lower vibration than sitting across the room and going man you know i see their struggle and i have compassion and empathy for them even though i don't want to hang out with them yeah and that's the move you know? uh are you familiar with paul selig no okay he was an interesting dude i'm not into channeling and shit like that but oh he's, aubrey he's was telling me about him yeah man. Yeah, yeah 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 so he 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 drops in and i was like at the very least this guy's tuned into truth like he sure. knows fucking what he's saying resonates with me sure but he was on duncan trussell's podcast and they did a live recording at the bill house theater in brooklyn then he was on aubrey's podcast and um just one of his takeaways not to be like yeah you know get into channeling and mediums and all that it's just like he was saying that anyone you hold in darkness in the cave anyone you cast into the cave with your thoughts you hold you're in there with them Ooh, damn say that again anyone and i'm and i'm paraphrasing but I anyone know, anyone you hold in darkness anyone that you have ill will towards or negative feelings and thoughts towards you're in the cave with them as you cast them into the shadow ah uh, that's good that's the only way that you can lift them out is to fucking hold them in the higher light and if you if you truly have compassion and love and empathy which is really the true teachings of christ compassion and unconditional love to love others the way god loves us yeah. not i love you with or i love you <laughs> yeah. but or i, I love you when. if you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love do you this when. or don't do that yeah, yeah yeah it has fucking nothing to do with that yeah. right so to love another the way god loves us yeah and those are the true teachings but that comes at that price of i don't have to appreciate how you live your life but everyone walks their own path yeah and to be in a state of allowing like you're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want and i have compassion every time you hit yourself in the foot with a hammer yeah I have compassion every time you make the mistake but we all learn we can learn through fear we can learn through love we they're all lessons yeah know? that's that's beautifully said man because you know i can honestly say i'm so grateful at this point in my life i have no ill feelings toward anyone even people that have really wronged me and robbed me of innocence and abused me i mean it's like i seriously and it's not just shit i learned in therapy it's like on a soul level it's some stuff we had to work out 
and I had to work some shit out. You know, speaking of like the karmic big picture, zooming way, way, way out, out of planet Earth, out of this universe, looking down at your little melodramas of this one minute lifetime that you have. It's like shit needed to get worked out. Mm-hmm. They were doing the best they could. I don't care how evil a person is, dude. A human being is literally not capable, in my opinion, of doing what they think is the wrong thing. Someone can do the most evil deed and they still think that that's a good idea. <laughs> you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now to everyone else, you're like, well, you're a sociopath, bad idea. Yeah, but Hitler to- thought he was doing the world a favor. Yeah. He thought he was doing God's work. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of us humans are uh, delusional and we do things that we think serve the highest good that in fact only serve our own good or even worse don't serve anyone or even harm other people you know obviously but uh i think the forgiveness and having that compassion and understanding that each person is literally doing the best they can and this helps you be a driver in la by the way <laughs> i was listening to LA, you know because you know how it is. I mean, it's a joke the la traffic but it really is a spiritual practice and and in the beginning of my journey that's when i really started getting unplugged from the matrix is when i'd be driving around and i'd see my mind want to hurt someone because they threatened my security and got too close to my car or they took my spot or they went i used to get pissed if just somebody passed me mm-hmm. just oh you're gonna pass me uh no bro and i would be one of those dicks that like boxes you in on the right hand side and i was like total road rage like psycho and then i started to di- i was listening to spiritual probably tapes even before cds and they talked about observing your mind and observing those impulses and looking at other people in that way that they're just doing the same thing. They're caught in their mind. They're caught in their instincts and their ego. And I started to do that driving around LA traffic. And dude, I drive, I mean, I'm, I, I would say I'm like a safe, aggressive driver, but I'm very courteous, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't often get annoyed. I mean, I get tired from traffic, but I'm not mad at anyone. I let people in. I mean, I, I feel great most of the time toward everyone, you know? Traffic hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. I've changed. And that's just, you know, um, an exterior sort of superficial example of what living like that can do for you. That also works for divorces and breakups and illness and death and all the other shit that I talked from, about in from the from your childhood, yeah. too. You look back... It's yeah. funny, when I had my, my son, I was uh, 30, 33, and uh, I was like, I'm a fucking kid raising a kid right now. And then I looked back to my parents. My dad was the same <laughs> yeah. age. He was a fucking kid raising yep. a kid. And my mom was 10 years younger, a real child, wow. raised, having a child for the first time. She was 21, you know? That's and huge. That's, that's, and that, that just takes, it just lifts the weight. Like there is true understanding like they did the best they could with what they knew nothing nothing ill will about it just yeah. fucking pure love let's do this there's no fucking manual we don't know what the fuck i mean same thing with my son like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i'm trying the best it's hard to be a parent you know what i'm saying and and whatever <laughs> i do all i can guarantee is i'll do it better than my parents did absolutely and he'll raise my grandson or granddaughter better than we raised him yeah guaranteed breaking the cycle man yeah breaking the cycle of trauma and dysfunction it's huge yeah it's funny i I remember that i was probably in my early 30s to mid 30s and you know reflecting on my parents and looking at things they had done poorly of course and i realized they were 27 when they had me and i look at a 27 year old i mean even a 27 year old that has their shit together i'm still like you don't know shit <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like you know i meet some young kids oh i listen to your podcast you know here's what i know and i'm like ah, okay <laughs> I, you know i have an open mind i try to be humble but i yeah, mean 20 on years it, on them yeah it's on a big, you know two yeah, fucking decades exactly. you learn a lot you you just there's life experience that 
enriches your wisdom and your point of view. You know, and I look at my poor parents, I'm like, wow, they were 27. They were clueless. Then if you want to go deeper, you look at their parents. Mm-hmm. And as you know, my, I mean, I have great relationships with both my parents now and they've, they've worked their asses off like I have to raise their consciousness and we're totally on the level and it's great. So I've learned some things about their childhood. I'm like, oh my God, I thought I had it bad. No wonder my parents were so dysfunctional. Their parents were a fucking train wreck. Yep. And their and the parents of those parents were even worse of a train wreck. And they were having kids way earlier then. Yeah. My nana had my dad when she was 17 years old and granddad was 18. Wow. That's fucking bananas. Wow. I mean, people would just fucking in high school or right out of high school, let's get started. That's trippy. Totally different animal. It is, yeah. But you can when you trace back like that, you can see how. Like when I look at my my family of origin, that collectively each generation is getting a little more conscious, like what you're saying with mm-hmm. your son. Because when I look at my grandparents and how they treated my parents, it was worse than how my parents treated me. And now I'm breaking that cycle. I don't know if it always works like that, but at least the lineage that I was karmically born into, if and when I have kids, dude, of course I'm going to be a dumbass to a certain degree because I've never done it before and my guidebook was not that awesome. I'm going to have to literally read every like book on how to be a conscious parent to get it down. But I'm going to do a hell of a better job than my parents did. Mm-hmm. And then like you said and so on and so on when my kid has kids, they'll have had a better dad than I did, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. It's all about forgiveness, dude. You know, forgiveness of self and then forgiveness of other people. You just can't have ill will. It just you can't um you can't drink the poison (laughs) you're right there in the darkness with them yeah that's so cool it's a good lesson yeah you're holding yourself in the in the frequency of pain really yeah you know whatever's hurting whatever hurt you feel they caused you if you don't let go of that then that stays with you it could have happened when you were fucking five years old it's what that's that's the baggage we all carry you know like oh this person's got baggage like that's that's literally what it is it's the trauma you don't release you know do you think that trauma uh, sometimes get stuck in your body like emotional yeah trauma. man and i you know what it's because i know funny. you've done a lot of plant journeys and stuff and i have i'm not that i mean it is it's gonna I've sound done a lot of plant journeys but not with the <laughs> spiritual intention back in the day <laughs> but you know have you have you discovered things where oh that's why my shoulder's bad or weird shit like dude that? yeah and 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 it gets it gets weird you know like it, it definitely gets weird with with talking about shit like that and but i i've heard you know through rolfing and things like that that people will have emotional breakdowns as they were getting worked on in certain parts of the body and uh, i think there's some science on this coming out in australia but if memory is non-local or at least in part non-local then we can trap certain things in different parts of the body i'll say this anecdotally because a lot of people are fucking shaking their heads right now if they're still listening but there was a ceremony i did with psilocybin and i had these knots in my quads and uh you know, especially on my lead leg, my left leg, where I'd stand in my fighter stance, left leg forward, left hand forward, it got kicked a lot. Because you're right-handed. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, between football and fighting, I'd always have this knot there. And I noticed if, if I was eating ketogenic or different things, that knot would go down, but it was still there. And so I asked about it on a heroic dose of, of psilocybin. What's like, a heroic dose? Like five, five grams. Gram- okay. Yeah, ground okay. with lemon, Mayan style. <laughs> That's and, funny, uh, dude. Because I used to, I used to pound like a quarter ounce of mushrooms. There you go. Go see the dead and shit. You yeah, know? man. It's funny, but I never thought of it. Oh, I'm doing a heroic dose. I was just like, how can I get out of my fucking skin? Right. That's now? the way to do it. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. But yeah, it, it the the message was this is where you hold your fear. Uh, and I was like, fuck. 
And I started working on it with my elbow and my fingers. Dude, that and totally makes sense though. Because when you're fighting, was, yeah. like whether or not you like have worked yourself up, there's obviously fear there on some, you know, biological yeah. level. Yeah. But it was crazy as I was working through it physically, all the things I've been afraid of started coming up. Oh. And it was it was powerful because it was like revealing itself to me. Like this is because I was like, I don't have fear right now. And then boom, yeah, you do. Here it is. Wow. Yeah, you're worried about losing your job again. You're worried about this. You're mm -hmm. worried about that. You're worried about marriage. You're worried about, and it just fucking, it was right in my face. Like, whoa, okay, slow down. You know, and then continue to work and breathe to let it go. You know, focusing on that breath work that dips us back into parasympathetic away from the fight or flight stance and just, you know, and just let it go. And that, that, was, that, was, one, that was a super powerful ceremony. For you me, think you're able you know? to, to work through that, that physical manifestation? Yeah, because I don't yeah. have the nut anymore. Wow. <laughs> so it's, and Dude, if that shit comes back, I'll have to check in. Right, you know, right. and, that, and that's the, you know, going back outside of that realm, um, I try to, Mind Pump taught me this make it accessible to the lowest common denominator. Right. Meaning if you're talking about some shit that's out there, yeah. try to try to dumb it back down, try to put it in layman's or try to give things that are accessible. And I think yeah. at the very least, we can figure this shit out from stillness, from meditation, from just being alone with ourselves yeah. to sit with that. Because if we're in that state where we don't have everything coming in from the outside, you know, music and noise and, and video and people and all that, that's when you get to feel what's going on but you don't feel that if you don't check in right absolutely yeah. yeah it's funny i asked you that question just to get your perspective on you know the trauma in the body being held and it reminded me of a situation i totally forgot because i've done all the things and in the early days one of the things that i did that really moved the needle for me is i did this uh, healing session with some a family of maori healers like the full-on indigenous tattooed all over you know uh people from new zealand and there was this family of them i forget the name of the family but they used to travel all over the world and just do sessions and they posted up in topanga canyon i was like and i heard that it could help you quit smoking <laughs> and I, I used to smoke like two packs of cigarettes a day i mean i was up until seven years ago i really struggle with nicotine addiction of, in all forms uh and i finally just realized oh i just can't touch that shit i don't care if it's fucking ceremonial or whatever i'm gonna end up like picking cigarette butts off, off the ground in an alley like that's how what a crackhead i become with cigarettes anyway I want to quit smoking really bad. This is like mid 90s. And I hear the Maori healers can do it. So I go up there. I'm like, I don't know even what they do. Some kind of body work or some shit. I walk in this hippie house in Topanga Canyon. And I walk in like the foyer. And you couldn't see the other part of the house. But I just hear people ah, 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 screaming, crying, just going crazy and i'm like oh shit what am i doing what am i doing what did i sign up for but i couldn't see them i really it sounded like people were being murdered and those people come out and they're looking chill they look like they had been crying but they were like happy i was like, okay cool you know there's no murders going on in the back room anyway they lay me down close my eyes and they start doing their thing on me and to this day i really don't know what they were doing and how they applied that much pressure but these guys were fucking big dude i mean like samoan style like big fucking dudes I think they're probably walking on me. I don't know. But it hurt so bad, especially when they got into my legs, mm -hmm. on the backs of my legs. And man, okay. So I work through the first level of pain and I get some tears that are just like that wincing, excruciating, deep, deep pain of like real deep body work. And then I hit this other level, kind of like breaking through the ice, you know, and getting down there where it's dark. And I was like, oh shit. And I just started bawling, dude and my life and oh man it's giving me chills to fucking think about this crazy 
but my life started flashing before my eyes and all of the sexual abuse when I was a kid started coming up and I just started working through that and actually allowing myself to feel the pain of what had happened to me. And it was all being triggered by them doing whatever voodoo shit they were doing on me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quit smoking, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately. But it did really help me to at least tap into that pain and that I had been suppressing in so many ways, you know, that trauma. But it was so crazy, man. I was now one of the people in that room, "Ah, (laughs) ah," just screaming and bawling. And I realized during it as I was having those visions and doing that like life flash before your eyes thing, that it wasn't the pain from the body work, it was deep pain that was being set loose by whatever mojo they had going on. It was really, really cool. But that's the last time that really ever happened to me on that level. Mm. It's like that shit released and then there was a new level of healing and I've had to go address that stuff in other ways, but totally forgot about that. Thank you for- <laughs> yeah, brother. Thank you for your story of the knot in your legs. I was like, oh shit, I got one too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was cool, it was cool. Well, shit, brother. We've we've made it through our hour, right on, We're rocking and rolling. I feel like that we was will, we will pick up. We didn't even get into fucking biohacks or anything physical. You know what, man? The, <laughs> the, the biohack, the ultimate biohack to me is, as we said, on the physical, it's sleep. Just start there. Work on your sleep, and I think the hugest part of that is the more research I do. Is you gotta EMF shield your bedroom. I think that's the number one thing. To you go spend three to five grand, get someone to come out, dial in your bedroom, get the shielding paint, do all the things the tinfoil hat things and fucking make your sleep area a healing sanctuary that's have like, you read the non-tinfoil guide to he sent it to me and i and i've thumbed through it okay. it's good yeah okay i haven't I ordered that i haven't the one i haven't dove deep into okay. it but it's legit because like you said it, it's accessible okay that's why I mean, it has a great title yeah and it's like no here's the biology and here's how you fix it but i think that's my number one biohack just in the interest of time but the real one dude is is becoming identified with something other than mind other than ego, other than your emotions, you know, whether that be through meditation or any kind of breath work, spiritual practice, plant medicines, whatever gets you there, is to come to the realization that you can exist a lot of the time from the position of your soul. And you can go through life in a body being in touch that with the fact that you're not your body and you're not your mind and you're not your ego. You are a soul, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. And that life gets really fucking sweet when you can learn how to do that in more of your waking hours by whatever means you do that's the ultimate biohack is that connection to source and knowing that you and i are only separated by bodies other than that consciousness is one and when you live in the realm of consciousness anything's possible fuck yeah brother where can people find you uh the mothership is lukestory.com that's my site but i think the most exciting thing i'm doing is the lifestylist podcast and in about five minutes you're going to be a guest on it so people can find you uh, on there as well as aubrey and tons of other cool people uh but i cover health and spirituality and i think in a similar way that you do i take really esoteric trippy spiritual shit and turn it into something that you can actually apply to your life and I take really geeky biohacking, science stuff, and turn it into something that a normal person can actually do. And that's been really fun for me. And it's called The Lifestylist, the podcast. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Luke Story, and you'll find the most unedited, crazy-ass shit that I do on there. <laughs> like I was telling you at the Long Beach airport, you know, I'm live streaming on Insta, and I get busted by the cops for doing breath work half naked out in the, you know, out in the middle of the courtyard of the airport. And I think people really enjoy seeing some of that stuff because it inspires you to get weird and be free. Fuck yeah, brother. 
Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, dude. Thank you guys for listening to the On It podcast with my good buddy, Luke Story. Make sure you check out me, Kyle Kingsbury, on the Lifestylist podcast, which is hosted by Luke Story and a ton of other amazing guests, which he's had on. Luke's really blowing up. He's had an amazing run with a lot of top tier people that you'll have a great time listening to on his podcast as well. Thank you for listening.